Amen. Thank you, Brother Terry. Man, what a message in that song, Faces. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. And we want to look at verses 1 through 6. I'm not going to read that right now. I just want you to look at that slide on the screen about the sermon title, Jesus, the Soul Winner. Psalm 126, and we'll look at verses 1 through 6 in just a few minutes. If you're taking notes this morning, it's just a brief outline. We'll just have an introduction first, and then we're going to say about four points about how Jesus won souls and then expects us to do the same. Before I begin, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence now. Thank you for a time of worship, man. Thank you for the singing, O oh God. Lord, the choir, the praise team, the congregation, the solo, everything, Father, is, is just, Lord, I would just pray that you'll receive it this morning, and Lord, that you were honored by it, and now we pray that you'll speak to our hearts through your word, and Father, as we come to the close of a service, Lord, as the invitation is extended, given, not our invitation, but your invitation, that those here without Christ Lord, today they would come and they would give their life. They would receive him as Lord and Savior over their life. And Father, for, for Christians, Lord, help us, we pray, to, to understand and see the necessity of being a soul winner, winning people to you, leading people to you. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts individually and as a church this morning. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time together. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. For several weeks now, uh, even months, God's convicted me as pastor of this church that uh, he wants me to attempt to teach all who are willing to become active, personal soul winners. And so I'm speaking to the church. And uh, you might think, well, my goodness, I, I don't know how to be a soul winner. Well, we're going to talk about that in this sermon, and uh, what God needs is your commitment this morning to be a soul winner. He needs your availability, and he'll never ask us to do anything that we're not able to do. He's not able to do through us. And so let God speak to your heart, and when he asks for your commitment today, I pray that you'll be obedient. Although you may say, Lord, I don't know one thing about being a soul winner, but I'm willing to learn and become what you want me to become to win people to you. Evangelistical Christians have a serious problem today. Someone said that the best way to deal with a problem is start by recognizing that you have one. In evangelical Christians, we have a problem. Almost one-third of Southern Baptist churches today baptized no one last year. Another third, about 70% of our churches, baptized six or less. Fewer than one-half of 16 million members will be in church today or on any given Sunday. 
And those who are at church, it's estimated that one half of them are probably unsaved. And what's true about Southern Baptist churches is also mirrored by even other Bible-believing churches across our nation and around the world. We're told that you can ask 10 people, 10 believers this week, if they shared the gospel or attempted to share the gospel, and all 10 will say no. You can ask them again at the end of the year, and most likely 100% of the 10 will say no again. That's not all. You can ask them, the same people on their deathbed, if they shared the gospel with one person in their lifetime, and perhaps one of them will say yes, but 97.4% of churchgoers in the Southern Baptist Convention will die without one, not one, telling another person how to be saved through Jesus Christ. And so, with that in mind, beginning next Sunday, I'm going to be teaching four weeks, a four-week evangelism training that God led me to do on personal soul winning. This will be for 7th grade through 12th grade. All adults will meet in the sanctuary during discipleship time from 5 to 6, and we'll go through this training. We'll be taught on Sunday night during discipleship. But today, I want you to please turn to Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6, as we look at Jesus, the soul winner. Psalm 126, verse 1, it's the entire psalm. Now, at the top of the psalm, you'll notice in, my, in the translation I'm using, a song of ascent. Now, you may have listed as a title there a song of decree or degree, a song of ascents, verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we're glad, verse 4. Bring back our ca captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. In verse 5 and 6, primarily to our text, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed. Some translations say, say precious seed. Bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, there have been many great soul winners in the history of the Christian faith. In America, you had D.L. Moody, you had Billy Graham, you had Billy Sunday. In England, you had Charles Spurgeon. In the Bible, you had Simon Peter. You had Paul the Apostle. However, the greatest soul winner of all is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus came into this world to be our Savior. Remember on that Judean hill, the angels made an announcement to the shepherds watching their flock by night. Be not afraid, fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So God sent us a Savior because we needed a Savior. 
And all the way from Bethlehem's manger to the cross, he talked to people about life. He talked to people about death. He talked to people about eternity. And as you study Psalm 126, verse 6, the song is subtitled, A Song of Degrees, or A Song of Ascents. It was sung by the Jewish pilgrims when they were on their way to, to Jerusalem. Now, when you go to Israel and you go toward Jerusalem, everything is uphill toward Jerusalem. And as they would go toward Jerusalem, they would be moving uphill. They would be ascending uphill, the song of ascents. And they would sing this psalm. And the journey they were traveling was always uphill. And geographically, when you go to Jerusalem, you would always be going up. Now, what's true geographically for the Jew should also be true for the Christian. The point is, there should always be an upward progress in your Christian growth. Going up, constantly working and serving and going up, trying, being obedient to the Lord and what He's commanded us to do, being, uh, uh, being sanctified by the Lord, becoming more and more and more like Him every day, a constant upward progress in our spiritual life, our sanctification life. So in verse 6, a promise is claimed and a plan is followed. Verse 6 is a statement that's concerning God's promise for those who will be personal soul winners. You don't need to miss the promise. In one case, this one verse, everything is just detailed in what the Bible says about soul winning. This one verse gives detail about what the Bible says about soul winning. And so this morning, God wants us to take this verse, and he wants to see the soul-winning, he wants us to see the soul-winning activities of the Lord. How did the Lord do soul-winning? And the way the Lord did soul-winning, that's the way we need to do soul-winning. And so, secondly, on your outline, you have the going of Jesus. Let's look at that, the going of Jesus. Now, verse 6 alludes to a farmer sowing seed. So we have this farmer, get the picture in your mind, and he's sowing seed. He has a, a leather bag, and he's going to and fro, and he's scattering seed. He's sowing seed. He's not standing in one place sowing seed, but he's going over here sowing seed, and over here sowing seed, and he's going over here. He's, he's moving about sowing seed. Jesus was walking about to and fro. This farmer walking to and about to about. Uh, uh, to and fro through the field, scattering seed. And so Jesus came into the world to seek and to save sinners. But he also came to individuals, came to people. He came to Matthew, a tax collector. He came to Nathaniel. He came to the thief on the cross. He came to the Samaritan woman by a well. He came to Nicodemus. He came to the rich young ruler. And so the point is, Jesus was always on the go, sowing the seed of the Word of God. And that's what he expects us to do. Remember, he left heaven to do this. He came into this world to be a Savior for sinners. He came into this world to sow the seed of the Word of God. And when he came to individuals, he dropped the seed, the Word of God, into, the God, into their heart. 
And so the point is, as Jesus was uh, on the go looking for the lost, likewise, the church today, you and I today, should be on the go looking for the lost, those who need Jesus Christ. Jesus was a going Jesus. He was on the go. Now, next week, we're going to dive a little deeper into this going. It's referred to as the Great Commission. No doubt you've read it. You may have studied it. But the problem comes of practicing it. And so, there's the going of Jesus. And then, secondly, or third on your outline, you have the going. Oh, first, second, you have the going of Jesus. Then, third, you have the weeping of Jesus. Now, first we see this farmer... And he's going and he's sowing. And now we see an unusual farmer because he drops a seed, and when he drops a seed, a tear falls from his eye. Think of that. Picture of that. Marrying liquid tears to this solid seed. It's a moving picture that you see of this farmer. Sowing seed and dropping a tear. You see, we live in a society today that has what we refer to as a lack of compassion. Lack of compassion. Professionals refer to it as psychic numbness. Psychic numbness. Uh, that's why a person ride a subway and someone can be attacked on the subway and, and everybody else just stand by and not do anything. Be attacked on the street or be robbed. Something terrible might happen, and the bystanders just stand around and watch. They have this psychic numbness, no compassion. Jesus had compassion. We've become so numb to the sights and the suffering that is around us. You have the border crisis where you have all these, these people, men and women and boys and girls and little babies, and they're in a terrible way right now, and... And our government seems to be promoting what's going on. But no compassion. I remarked to Judy this week, we were eating out and we were talking to this waitress. And she was, she'd pulled a double shift and, and she didn't have any help. And she was really hurting. She was, she was so tired. She'd walked to work and she was living out of a hotel and the rent was $60 a day. And you multiply that times seven days, $420 a week in a hotel room, and she didn't get to stay in it because she worked a shift at a, at a restaurant. And our heart went out to her, and Judy said, I wish we could take her home, wish we could carry her somewhere to get some help. There's no compassion. You have people like that everywhere, everywhere. But we have the psychic numbness about us that we don't see them as people. We don't see them as souls that God sent Jesus to die for. I remarked to her, all of these people are souls that Christ came to die for. When you watch TV and you see all the homeless and all the mentally ill and all types of addiction on the streets in these major cities, those are people that Christ came and died for. And we pass them by. They need to hear about Jesus. So we need to weep for those today. Who weeps for those people today? Who weeps for those? The point is, if we don't weep, we'll not win souls. That's what the Scripture says. We have to weep. We have to cry over people and their souls because they're lost. Today at this funeral, Brother Snodgrass, he was a soul winner. 
and we'd sit and drink coffee on Monday mornings, and, uh, and we'd have a prayer, and, and he'd be praying, and he'd be praying primarily for his relatives that they'd be saved, and his eyes would just swell up with tears. He just cried his eyes out for his family to be saved. He had compassion for the lost. Jesus had compassion for the lost. Some of the strongest people you'll find in the Bible were people that wept. Moses wept over a dollar, uh, the, the idolatry of Israel. You had Jeremiah wept. He's the weeping prophet. He wept night and day. Paul witnessed with his tears. Jesus wept on three occasions. John 11, verse 35, the Bible says Jesus wept. He's at the grave of Lazarus. And the Bible says that Jesus wept. And when Jesus saw the sorrow that death had brought to Margaret, uh, to Mary and, his, and Lazarus' family, it just tore his heart out. He just wept. The sorrows of this world should move us like they moved Jesus. In Luke 19, we find where Jesus wept before the city of Jerusalem. Imagine all the sin and all the shame in that city, and it brought him to tears when he looked out over that city. Let me ask you a question. Has the shame and the poverty and the sin that's in our little town, Phil Campbell, has that ever brought tears to your eyes? Have you ever wept over our little town, Phil Campbell? Most of the time we're criticizing it. But Jesus would weep over it. And before our Lord went to the cross, he wept over the sins of the world. He wept. Listen, if Jesus shed his blood for sinners, we should expect to shed our tears for the law. We should expect to do that. Listen, we need to be shook up to have genuine compassion for those who are lost. So how can we do that? We need to fall in love. We just need to be revived. Revive us again, Lord. Let us be close to you again enough that we'll have compassion for people. Number two, how are we going to do that? The reality of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. When you begin to think what Jesus did for you, it should bring tears to your eyes. And then number three, picture the drunkard, picture that drug addict, picture the, the, uh, the divorcee, picture the abused child, picture them and what they're going through and see if that doesn't bring compassion, tears to your eyes. And so you had the going of Jesus and the weeping of Jesus, but notice there's the sowing of Jesus. And Psalm 126, verse 6, pictures the sowing of the seed. The sower is sowing the seed. Luke chapter 8, the Bible says the seed is the word of God. You know, Jesus had a high view of Scripture. He loved Scripture. He quoted Scripture. He had this high view of Scripture. Scripture was precious to him. James 1, verse uh, 21. Notice what the Bible says. James 1, verse, uh, I believe it's verse 21. Jesus, uh, uh, James tells about how how important scripture is. He says, verse 20, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. See the importance of scripture? And Jesus had a high view of scripture. And so the point is, as we share the gospel, we'll be sharing the precious seed of the word of God. That's very important. And so the Bible may be a small book compared to some books, but there's a lot of power inside the Bible. 
There's, it's just a, a seed that produces life. God's word produces life. And so to be a great soul winner, we need to be we need to use appropriate Bible verses as we're witnessing the lost people. Oftentimes, I like, if I go into a home, I'll say, do you have a Bible? And they'll, they'll go get their Bible, and I'll use their Bible and let them read along with me from their Bible how they can be saved. Or I'll hand them my Bible, and I'll say, if you would, read this verse right here. And I'll let God's precious word that brings life to people, spiritual life to people, eternal life to people, I'll let them read and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to their hearts. So we'll use appropriate Bible verses. We'll use appropriate witnessing tools that contain the Word of God. We must use the Word of God. Jesus did, and we must also. And so you have the going of Jesus and the weeping of Jesus and the sowing of Jesus. And then you have, and I'll close with this, you have the reaping of Jesus. You know, the final scene there in verse 6 is real graphic because it pictures these reapers coming out of the fields with bundles of grain in their arms and they're shouting and they're singing because of their harvest. And the point is, this is the joy of a soul winner's life. Man, when you lead someone to Christ, if it happens to be the harvest time and you're there and God brings about the harvest, that is so happy for them, but it's happy for you too because you're wanting to say, well, where can I go next? Who can I share with next? It's such an exciting time. It's such a happy time, a shouting and singing time. And so the verse indicates those who continue to go, those who continue to care, those who continue to sow the seed, those who continue to weep over the loss, they will sooner or later win someone to Christ. Sooner or later. If you would, as I close, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want us to look at verse 20 and 22. It's important. Verse 20, uh, verse 20 through 22. I may have just given you, uh, you have verse 20 up there, 1 Corinthians 9, and we'll look at verse 20. And to the Jews, he said, I became a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law. Not being without the law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, notice this now, that I might, that I might by all means save what? Some. Some. Not everybody, but some. Save some point is we witness to all but some will be saved and what a joy it is to to see someone trust jesus christ as lord and savior of their heart what a joy it must have been for jesus to 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 have brought that woman at the way to the well where the water of life was or how, what a joy it must have been for his last effort to share with someone as he shared with that thief on the cross. There's so much joy over winning one soul to Jesus. But remember, we won't win all souls, but we'll win some souls. So don't be discouraged. One will say yes eventually if you keep sharing God's 
word, that you keep sharing those precious seeds. So think about it. Think about meeting people in heaven. Terry sang about it just a few minutes ago. Those faces, those that are there because you shared with them how they could be in heaven. I was preparing for this sermon, and I ran across a, a quote from Corten Boone. Very small quote, but very powerful. She said, When I enter that beautiful city and the saints around me appear, I hope someone will tell me it was you who invited me here. Wow. Tap on the back. Hey, how you doing? I just want to say thank you. I wouldn't have been here if it hadn't been for you. You remember when you came to my house and you even stood outside, but you shared with me how I could be saved. And I remember praying that night, asking Christ to come into my life and save me. Man, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for sharing with me. God alone with myself, challenge you to become a soul winner. So in the weeks to come, I'm going to be sharing a, just a simple technique that's been used by hundreds of believers to lead, to lead people to Christ. And there's no reason why you can't do the same or why I can't do the same. And so make your mind up today not to be a part of that 97.4% who one day will lie on your deathbed and say, God, I never told anyone about you when you have an opportunity to learn in a very non-threatening way. Share the gospel. Experience the joy of reaping. An old hymn goes like this. Sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the noontide and the dewy eve, Waiting for the harvest and the time of reaping, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Going forth with weeping, sowing for the master. Though the loss sustain, our spirit often grieves. When our weeping's over, he will bid us welcome. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. That's George Minor wrote that. And just as Jesus went to those who needed a Savior, the Holy Spirit today is coming to your chair, convicting you that you too need a Savior. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you need to step out today. Come forward and say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. I don't know how it all works, but I know that I'm lost. And I will know how to be saved. I want to be saved today. And after everyone leaves, I'll share with you. And you can leave here a different person. And you can leave here knowing that you have eternal life. You need to respond today and receive the gift of eternal life. Like Matthew did and Nathaniel did and the Samaritan woman did and many others did. Uh, you know, uh, it's worth the trip to walk down an aisle and receive Christ and go to heaven. That's worth the trip down an aisle. Let's pray together. Father.
thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence today. And thank you again for the worship services. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray for everyone here. I pray for those who have never trusted you that today they'll step forward. Come forward and seeking you to be their Lord and their Savior. I thank you for all the Christians that are here. And Father, we don't think about soul winning too much. If we did, perhaps we'd do more of it. But Father, you put it on my heart to disciple our church, as many as will, to be soul winners. Lord, I can see we can make a difference in our community, and who knows what we'll do in the world if we just start here sharing the gospel with our friends, with our family, and then with our friends and our neighbors and just branch out. With the people that we meet on the street, those that we meet in a restaurant, the service station, wherever it might be, Lord, that we might begin a conversation. If it turns towards you, Lord, be able to share with them the assurance that we have of a home in heaven where they too can have one. Help us to be willing to go. Help us to be willing to weep. Help us to be willing to sow and to weep. Help us, Lord, we pray, to, to be willing to, to uh, rejoice, Lord, when, when we see people come into the kingdom. Help us to be willing, Lord, to cry over those who are lost. And, Lord, we know that our weeping, Lord, will, will not be wasted, that we'll see them come to you one day. We just know we will. Thank you for our time in this invitation hymn, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to lead us in the familiar hymn, Stand Together. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact us.